This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Bez, what do you love? Well, John, it's a new sponsor and I'm loving it. For me, double quarter pound a meal. What are you having? Oh, it's got got to be the chicken nugget share box. To myself, there's no sharing, but well, to myself. That goes without saying. But what yeah. dip? Oh, barbecue. It's a barbecue dip. Yeah. But where can people get it? So, yeah, where can you get it? You can order via the McDonald's app. Um, it's via participating restaurants only. 18 plus. Rewards. Registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. So, see mcdonalds.com for full details. Good evening and welcome to the award-winning Ale in the Veil podcast. We've only gone been yeah, we've only gone and been named the League One podcast twenty two. Easy for me Um sorry, the, the video of Tom scoffing his face with a donut really put me off then. Um me and Mike went into the jam section of my donuts. <laughs> that's why I we win awards. Want, yeah. That's what the people tune in for, that is. <laughs> The dog's in the bin, the mic's in the jam. Tom's choking to death. <laughs> He's been telling Laura Woods about his shaft recently. Yes. It's, it's all going off. And, you know, I'd love for this podcast to be about the award and to celebrate everything that every one of you guys that are on here has done and what Kirsty's done, because obviously... Unfortunately, for some selfish reason, Kirsty can't be with us. Like it's not like it's a due date or anything today. No. But selfish of her. But yeah, joined by Bez. How are you doing? I'm good, cheers, mate. Well, I was good till half eight this morning till I saw the tweet come out about Clarky, but yeah, yeah. Can't grumble. Good weekend. I didn't watch the game, so that was a blessing. That's why I was weekend then. Yeah. I was in Ben Brazil and Manchester at the time they were playing. So I saw your lots of messages and I was keeping up with it that way. But yeah, London City, yeah. to be yeah. honest. And then, obviously, we get today's news, which we'll get on to. We will. They're joined by Steve as well. He's, he's dragged himself away from coaches. How are you yeah. doing, Steve? I'm good. I've got, like, a really busy day at work this morning. And then I see the I get the first message. And then my phone's been, like, red hot. And I'm thinking, I ain't, so I've decided... Right, I'm pan it off, but I just couldn't concentrate really. So now I'm now back actually back in the office to to look at some stuff while we do this. But now it's just, you know it's a sad day really. You know we'll get on to it, but Clarky, it's, it's going to say that it's a shame Kirsty's is not on because the last time we all did something like this was at Wembley, and the, after the Wembley one that was just an ace thing, you know. And this is going to be the other way, and there's 
reasons why, but we'll crack on with it. But I'm good, thank you. Good. We've got Andy as well. Good good day at work. Um, no, I took the day off today. I'm uh, off tomorrow, off Wednesday, so I thought I might as well have today as well because um, Ipswich. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I took the day off and my plans were pretty much thrown out the window as soon as I sort of looked at my phone in bed and got all the messages. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a day. I'm just trying to wind down and relax before the pod. I thought I'd watch a bit of snooker. Um, that hasn't actually turned out to be a good idea as well. So, um, yeah, um, just... Crack on with, with it, won't we? Yeah, well, and we've got Stu on. How's it Yo. going over there? Yeah, good. Uh, 300 text messages when I got up from you lot. You get alive, <laughs> you lot. <laughs> What's pretty big news, in all fairness? Yeah, I suppose so. Is it that surprising, though? We'll see, well, we'll see. And, of course, uh, Big Phil will be on on Wednesday and he'll be able to give his views on Wednesday. He will. And then we've got Tom as well, I think. Has he finished his donut? Can he speak? I have. It's the first one, anyway. I'm going for a breakup, so I'm just going to feed my face on donuts. I'm, I'm not broken up with the missus. I've broken up with Daryl Clark today. I'm absolutely devastated. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah what a de- I mean, I, I had a, I was a bit similar to Steve. I had a really busy day planned, and it lasted all of about three hours. Yeah. Um, and then I've had to charge my phone twice, I think, because it's been going <laughs> ballistic all day. Let me just jump in before we get on to Daryl Clark and we'll say some words before, eh, hey, Johnny? Because I think it's only fair after two years at the club and what he's done. Tom, talk to us about Crew 10K. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, never, ever, ever am I doing anything like that ever again. Um, this time last week, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get to the match last week. Uh, and I had to have Tuesday off work as well because I'm still walking like a shit myself. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was. There's, there's no need whatsoever on them 10k runs to have signs saying that you've run one kilometer, two kilometers, because you're absolutely knackered. And then there's a nice, gentle reminder that you've still got three quarters of the race to go. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and um, yeah, I've always, I've always considered myself quite sporty up until I got, uh, until I did my knees in. Um, so it was a nice uh, knock back down to earth when I got lapped by somebody. Dice, dice, lapped you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, there was quite a few who lapped me, I think. But yeah, it was uh, that was that brought me back down to earth. But yeah, no, it, uh, I'm glad we've done it, but never again. Yeah, it's so it's too sporty, man. But yeah, it was two five k laps, and average ten k's. <laughs> no, I used to be sporty. <laughs> now, did, no, he, I'm did a he ring a bell shite. for you to like last lap thing? No, there was only two. I was going to say, so if, like, you, if, you, if you're struggling to count two, then... <laughs> if they rang a bell, you'd be off for last orders, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was nice to go straight into the pub after. Yeah, yeah and for those wondering, Tom is the youngest on this podcast. That made I me laugh. That. Yeah, it yeah. made me laugh, though. Like, Amos has died. Like, how he rehydrated. It's just him in a pint of magery. <laughs> then another one, then another one. <laughs> They just had to keep, yeah, well, I didn't feel too bad Sunday. I felt quite, uh, I was a little bit sore, but that was about it. But then Monday, I couldn't get down the stairs. I had to slide down the stairs on my ass. Um, I sat on the sofa. I couldn't get back up off the sofa. I've never had pain like it. I tried them Epsom salts in my bath. They're a bag of shit. They don't work. Um, 
but yeah, other than I, I tried everything. I even got a bloody massage machine thing for my thighs, and that just hurt. Um, so yeah, I've had lesson learned. I'm not built for running. I kept saying that to the people as I was going round as well. I kept saying I'm not built for this. I, I shouldn't be doing ten kilometres. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you everyone for donating because yeah. uh, we raised a hell of a lot of money for John Rush statue, and it was brilliant. Yeah, it was quality, absolute quality. And then, Johnny, before we go in, I think it's only fair to say some words about Clark before we talk about what's happened. Yeah, no, that that's it. And, and like, Bez, I said, I said to you at the start that I was doing this, and look at you taking over already. Danny Bez is ailing the veil. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what yeah. can I say? <laughs> but, yeah, you, you've got to. Like, he's produced two of the greatest matches I've seen as a Vail fan because Swindon second leg was phenomenal and then Wembley was surreal Wembley was I think is the best best way for me to describe it because if someone said to you before the game you're going to be 3-0 up against 10, 10 men at some stage you'd be like yeah what, what are you smoking it's playoff final that doesn't happen but yeah it's that that was great I've seen a lot of people sharing the Hartlepool video of where he came back and stuff like that just you got to say thanks, thanks for the memories. It was it was shorter than we all would have liked. It's, what just over two years now, but saved us from sleepwalking to relegation, and then took us up in his first full season. It's just a shame it's ended how it is. So, Bears, obviously, I've mentioned a few things, but what memory, what what things stick out for you? It's obviously the Swindon game and Wembley, and they're the two that really, really stick out, and they're the ones that everyone will think about maybe late in audience at home, the last minute winner where we were 2-1 down going into extra time, 1-3-2. and little knee slide there. Yeah, the knee slide and the passion that he showed there. And I'm like I say, I'm gutted he's ended this way. Absolutely gutted. And I'm gutted Clark's gone. As most of us, I thought when he went, it to be because he was going to a bigger club and never saw his sacking coming. And even the form we've been on, didn't see the sacking coming. No, and Stu, obviously you, you you're a little different here because you've said a couple of times in the group and just at the start that you kind of could see the sacking come in. Yeah, not not because I think it's the two in eighteen, isn't it? It's got to come down to that. You've got to make a decision at this stage. Are you going for it? Like, where's the next win coming from? I think now for me, the iconic moment for. Clarky is that interview that he gives Sky Sports after the after the final whistle at Wembley, where he tells everybody that you've got to, you know, life's about getting up off the canvas, and you know, that's an iconic moment for me as a as a as a Vale manager. It was uh, heartbreaking to see him in that emotional state. But it's two and eighteen. I don't really see where the next win's coming from, and like the way it's going at the moment, you could probably still do with another win. Or, or at least a point. So if you can't see a win coming from everywhere, anywhere, then you have to make tough decisions. It is a tough decision from, from the club to, to go and get rid of him today. But he, he kind of looked a bit of a broken man for the last few weeks. So you could kind of see it. It reminded me a bit of Dave Artell last year at, at Crew, but we've got 20 more points than them. Yeah, no, that, that's... I think you're right. I think... You know, I hadn't actually realised it until we just started talking and we mentioned the Leighton Orient thing that how passionate he was compared to where where we're at now. Um, so 
I think that is a big thing. Obviously, Tom, you you've been every away game this season, uh, barring one. Um, uh, you, yeah, yeah. How, how do you, how do you feel it's it's gone? Because the atmosphere has never been bad against him, and people were still singing his name at full time on Saturday, weren't they? Yeah, I think it's um, it's 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 a strange one, and it's it's it. I've only ever really the double I can remember um, have experienced it with probably Mickey Adams. Where it's been, uh, they can't. Not they can't do wrong, but everyone is very grateful for what they've done. Um, so you don't really get the murmurs of like sacking them when you you know you trust them enough to get you out of that rut. I think um, it's a bit of a strange one because obviously the the, the mood around the camp seems to have gone very flat the last couple of months or so um but I, i'll be honest in my head i was just kind of assuming that was because we couldn't seem to pick up wins um i never really considered if there's anything anything else you know if 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 i i, I assumed it was completely it wasn't going to happen that he'd lose the lose a dressing room um i i thought he was too passionate and, and you know, too likable, if I'm honest for that. Um, but you know, we don't. We, I don't know what's behind closed doors. It might be a different uh, thing. But yeah, a bit gutted. Yeah, I've, I've seen. I've seen Josh. Josh Green posted on Twitter today. And Steve, you'll you'll remember this when Rudy left. Um, apparently, that was before Ipswich away as well. Um, is it is it comparable for you? I know Rudy was here a lot longer, but. For us, us younger younger fans that didn't experience as much as, um, what what do you feel? Uh, no, I don't think it is. Rudgie and Bill Bell's relationship had broken down, and Belly was looking for a way to go get rid of him. I, I've heard what Stu said, and I think being two thousand miles away, where how far kind of is, has given him a clearer view. I never saw this this coming, the sacking coming. When you break it down to what Stu says, it was there for all all to see. And, you know, we talk about the iconic moments. For me, it was when I got home from Wembley, I watched the game straight away because I'm a sad bastard. It's a bit at the end when he looks, you know, he looks he looks at the sky, he knows he's done it. And you think of then, you think everything he went through to get us there. And it it makes me sad, but when you break it down to to footballing, footballing things, two and 18... We've got one more point. I saw a tweet that made me surprised. I think Stu saw it as well. We've got one more point than we had during the banter season when we had six keepers and JJ Hooper. And when you look at it like that, there's sound reasons why he probably had to go, but I'm shocked. And don't, don't make it any easier, does it, Steve? No, no. I don't think you can compare it to Rudgie because Rudgie was here for so long and did so much. Clark's was more like a very brief love affair, whereas Rogers was like a long-term marriage, you know, and I think that's how you break it down. But I'm, I'm sad because he's given us all some good moments and he's been through a lot himself and he came across well most of the time. But I think looking back over recently, something's gone on. He's lost his mojo. He's lost his passion. And it's like, we're, it's almost like we're sleepwalking into relegation and they've got to do something about it. Whether that's sacking him or not, that's, I wouldn't know, but, I'm sad, yeah. 
Yeah, you just pissed on my chips a bit there because um, oh, yeah. and, and were in the group chat the the comparison between the two seasons, and I, that's where I was going next with him. So, um, Sorry. yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously you've spoke, you've touched on it slightly. Um, that season, Andy Chef United won the league on 100 points, and second place had 86, I believe. Which, looking at it now, 86, we're probably going to see three teams finish on in this league. So. Is comparing the two seasons fair? Up to a point, it's fair. I mean, every season's different, and you can make arguments for saying, oh, it was a harder league then, or it was a harder league now. Ultimately, we're just not winning as many games as we should be, and and that is, is simple, really. And, and even, um, you know, that season... You know, you excuse. You know, there's, there's a good reason we were shit, and it's because Norman was an idiot, and and he appointed Bruno Ribeiro and Michael Browns, and and we, you know, so you can almost excuse that because we we were a shambles. We not, or we shouldn't be a shambles now because we supposedly we've got good football people, we've got um, people who, who are passionate and know how to run a business and know how to run a football club, and so so I, I'm. It's just trying to put your finger on what went wrong. You remember that um, the start of that season, we were still in the playoffs by about November, weren't we? When I think we beat Fleetwood, when Anthony Grant got sent off, we were still in the playoffs um, when we beat them. We were still pretty much top off in the start of December, and then um, so it's a comparable season. And and even you know we went on a similar run back in '92, if you can remember, as way back then you know we were having a good season we played liverpool home and away in the league cup uh and we were winning games i think we won i think we beat leicester away watford at home around december and then we wouldn't didn't win again until late march um when we beat plymouth and then we beat blackburn which was a cracking game and we almost gave ourselves a chance of staying up so there, there are historical similarities but you just think you know we shouldn't be we shouldn't be getting to that point. We we're supposedly a better run, better organised football club now than than certainly than we were five or six years ago. Yeah, and I think I think that leads nicely on to to the statement by the club. Um, Flip Cross made the statement, which I assume that he touches everything football, so he, it's his statement to make. Um, but he put, we have immense gratitude to Daryl for his role in driving the club away from relegation from League Two to winning promotion to League One. However, following discussions in recent weeks with Daryl, the backroom staff and senior players, we've decided now is the best time to make a change and give ourselves the best chance of retaining League One status. From your point of view, Stu, should they be talking to backroom staff, senior players, or should it be a decision in-house between the, the higher-ups? Certainly don't think they should be announcing that he's talked about room staff and players about it. I think that's embarrassing. Um I think obviously you would talk to your talk to your talk to your staff and your players. What's it what's the atmosphere like? What's it going on? But also you're gonna get some pretty vested interests in there who players have been told they can piss off at this stage are probably gonna to want to see if they can stay on, aren't they? If they if they do actually like being here. And yeah, I mean, the rumours about him falling out with his backroom staff, I, I don't know what that's like, but I mean, whether that's happened or not, but like, that's, you just painted in. I, the big thing I've got about it is, 
from from that perspective is we were told in the summer that we've gone out and not maybe not brought the best players in but brought the best characters in and now look at us we're an absolute shambles like we're just like the people if this is what we get for getting the best characters in good lord what happens when we get some bad ones through get get McCurdy back <laughs> Gary Roberts <laughs> yeah get Gary Roberts and McCurdy back you know bring the bring the old gang back together Perhaps Just, somebody misunderstood yeah, what the dickhead test was. They thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's it. Person like, not signed dickheads. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, do, I, I think it reflects really poorly on the playing staff. To me, all this really do. Yeah, and that was my initial feeling was that we 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 we've heard some from ex pros when we spoke to Popey and Popey had spoke about obviously how how he'd been tasked to go and speak to Norman before about stuff involving the players, which was more around the fact that they were being shit on with facilities and meals and stuff like that. But in in this situation, from all the backing that Clark has given the players, and he's come under some real criticism from our fans that he hasn't thrown any players under the buzz in his interviews. So, Tom, do you, do you feel like he's going to sit here today thinking, I've been stabbed in the back? Um... I don't know. I feel the main disappointment from Clarky's side of it would be January. It appears how we've seen it all and of what's been said that he was promised he was going to get some money or they were going to be able to make signings in January. And we've, you know, only been able to make the two when we probably needed five or six. Um, Stabbed in the back, I don't know, because still at the end of the day, like Stu said, we still only won two and 18. Um, it's a difficult, it's all a bit of a difficult situation, isn't it? Without really knowing the 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 ins and the outs, the, the, the chatting with the players, like Stu said, it isn't on that they've announced that that's what they've done, but we don't know. That could be players just passing comment to somebody about something that Clark has done. Um, that could be, I, don't, I, I can't see that they've gone out and had meetings with players. I don't think they've sat players down and you muted, Stu. So, yeah, I don't think there's like eight of them in a, back, in a meeting yeah. room. And they've, like, it's been a majority decision. There's four backroom staff and four players in there. And they've, and they've decided they want to get rid of him. And that's the decision. I don't think that's what's happened. Yeah. I, think they've asked for, I think they've asked for feedback and got it. But you don't announce that. It's, we all know that's happened. But you don't need to put it on the, on the statement, do you? It just yeah. makes you look a bit amateur hour. Well, it, it also throws people, you know, if, they've, if, if players have felt like, all right, we're in a situation where we can say, yeah, all right, that was a bit off. I didn't like that. But then they're not going to do it again if they know it's going to be, they're going to be put out, hung out to dry in the bloody statement that comes out two days later, are they? Um, and I think, you know, I've seen um, people on Twitter uh, because they've said senior players as well. Um, that kind of then shortens the list down, doesn't it, of which players have then been, been talking and then does it, you know, does it put like are people then going to go after them players and say, "Look, you shit houses," you know, you, you don't get to toss it off and 
and throw people under the bus and then just walk around like you own the place. I sorry, I think that um the atmosphere on Saturday will be very interesting. If which is a free hit, we go one nil down to Bristol Rovers and the players that they've announced if, if whatever they've done, we go one nil down, you could they could have real trouble in that ground. They should not have put that in the statement. Like Stu says, if they, if that's happened, that's one thing. But to announce it, it hangs them out to dry. Now, whether they deserve it or not, we either need one or three more points or maybe none to stay up, but we need a result. And doing that, that statement does not help the players who are still at this club. They may all go, but they're still with us till the end of May. And whoever's idea that was, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I think... I think... It's it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? That we all know, like Stu said, we all know that players get consulted and there's the chats and what. But to kind of hang the, hang them out that way is quite interesting. They've done a they've done a good enough job of doing that themselves in recent performances. So I don't think they needed any more. Um, I I think, and let's be honest, the facts in this because the facts no one can dispute. The facts are two wins in eighteen, which we've said. And I think everyone would say a fact as we come out of January with less strength than we went into January. I don't think anything else bar that is an opinion and we're all going to have different opinions on this. And that's what makes a podcast. That's what makes a fan base. We're all going to think different things. Two wins in 18, someone's got to take the bullet for. And if this is Walsall that we're looking at from a Vale fans perspective, and they've won two and 18, as you've said, do you expect the manager to be sacked? And you want two wins in 18, it makes sense. Do we think that Clarkie was sold down the river in January? Because I do. Now, Clarkie's got to take some responsibility for this two wins in 18. He's the manager. But was he given the tools to do his job in January or was actually he had tools taken away from him? Go on, Andy. You, you, take, you take this one. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, th- I think um, he's had a wretched January transfer win. And you look at his... Um... You look at his comments, Carol came out and said, um, we've had a good January. And a couple of days later, um, Daryl Clark's doing his pre-match interview and he says, um, we've regressed. You know, it's not quite Antonio Conte stuff, but it is pretty much, um, It's it felt very conspicuous the way the way he said that in that interview. And yeah, I mean, we've gone over the January window quite a lot. Um, we've we've ended up with a very stale squad where the vast majority were out of contract at the end of the season. They knew they were out of contract and they knew they probably weren't getting a new contract. So you've got so many players knowing they're leaving. Daryl Clark's trying to get a tune out of them. For one reason or another, he's not finding a way to motivate them. And if they know they're leaving, that's going to be a massive factor playing into that. So... I mean, it becomes like a Mexican standoff, really. You know, either the players leave or he leaves. And and can he get the club over the line and avoid relegation um, before before the players get him sacked? And and in the end up, it's it's not happened. Possibly, I don't know, possibly we had a too good a first half of the season. Complacency set in throughout the club. And that's played into why we've had such a poor window. And, you know, we thought we had enough in the tank and, and, and it turns out we haven't. You know, probably nobody thought we'd be this bad in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think 
poor window's been kind as well now looking back at it. My my biggest thing with the window is that the finger pointing that's kind of gone on since. I feel like we've gone from a club that's been quite transparent and open and honest to a bit of he he said she said sort of atmosphere by by doing that standoff of if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all situation. Then Carol came out recently with her comments of the restructure and the good January. And then Clarkie comes out and says, yeah, it wasn't a good January. And then the fans are all sat there going, well, we've, we've, we've all just said that as soon as it finished, we all said it wasn't a good January. So what's, what's actually going on? Do you feel like when, obviously we've heard on Radio Stoke today that, they've approached the club for comment from either Carol or Flitcroft. Do you think when we hear from them, we'll get more information or do you think it's just going to be a, a bit of a PR exercise, Steve? I think it'll be a PR and I think it all depends on why they got rid of him. No one actually knows if it's just down to, we've lost two, two games in eight. So we've won two and 18. He had to go. Fair enough. If there's more to it than that, like a big full out in the dressing room, you know, we know Daryl's had, trouble in his, you know, not trouble in his personal life, that's not doing around. He's had a tough time. If there's more to it, then, you know, does the club have a bit of a duty of care, as someone said earlier, not to publicise that? And that does leave Carol and Flitcroft vulnerable. If Clark is in the wrong, and I'm not saying he is, he has lost the dressing room, the players won't play for him, the, the coaches can no longer work for him, and it's on him that he had to go, but the club can't say that. I, I do feel a bit of sympathy for him there, because they can't, they can't and shouldn't probably hang him out to dry. I mean, where I differ from probably Bez and Andy is, I mean, I, two weeks ago, Clark said, I know what's wrong with this football club. I know what the plan is and I know what the plan is. So what's changed in the two weeks in that interview to now? Something must have happened in January and something must have happened again to sort of speed up this process. And I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's as cut and dried as flick across the bell end and chuck him under the bus. I think there's I think there's got to be some nuance to it. Yeah, Bez, obviously you, you said on, on the radio earlier that Flitcroft's got to shoulder some of this some of this blame as well. He's got um, to. Yeah. Got, got to, one hundred percent. He is in charge. He's the director of football and he's in charge with everything football related. So reporting into him is different can I, kind just, of can I just stop? Just let, let I want you saying that. Was he in January, which you're going to give him stick for? Well, he was because the director I, of football in January, wasn't he? Well, yes, but you just said he, he's responsible for everything. You're about to quote Carol what she said the other day. No, as a director of football, Stu, you're you work in finance accountancy, you'll back me up on this. I'll base this on now a building society. If you're a director of lending, let's say, you're in charge of lending for the society. Therefore, direct sales will report into you who generate sales direct. Intermediary sales will report into you who generate sales intermediary-wise. Products will report into you that create the products that you sell. Therefore, if one of them functions goes wrong, you are responsible as the director. Dave Flickcroft is in charge of Daryl Clark. So Dave Flickcroft is Daryl's boss. Do we think, wait a minute, before you come in, do we think that the only issue at this football club is that the manager isn't getting the best out of the players? Or do we think that the recruitment's been poor? 
which Dave Flickcroft is also in charge of and Daryl Clark is not in charge of. Everything that reports into Flickcroft, the one I will give you, I'm not going to throw at Flickcroft as the pitch. We know he's only just started in charge of the pitch. Some fans will throw that at him as well and say that's a shit show and he's in charge of that as well. But he's in charge of recruitment. Recruitment has been shit. There's no two doubts about it. Recruitment's been bad. And the only players that really are doing well, Alice Addison, Clark signing. James Wilson, Clark had a lot to do with that from what I'm hearing. Garrity, I think, is probably one that the recruitment staff can take credit for. Pet, I mean, was very much a Clark signing. A lot of the players that have come in, Sammy Robinson, recruitment team, shite. Gavin Massey, recruitment team, shite. We have not brought players in good enough to give Clark the tools to do his job. Therefore, all them departments go into Flickcroft. Flickcroft has fired the bullet at Clark to save his own arse. And if Flickcroft doesn't sort this out pretty rapidly, fans are already turning on him and he will see the heat of veil fans. Well, I'm glad you used a, an analogy like a building society so everybody could understand it, Baz. Um, <laughs> it's all I know. It's just the you too, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, me and Baz know what building society, how building societies work, and fuck all out anybody else's that got a, got a clue. Um, my problem here with what you've just said there is I don't think we got told when Flickcroft came in that Clark reported into Carol and Flickcroft reported into Carol, which is a stupid system because they're both in each other's pockets at that point, but they can both go running off to the boss at this different point. The manager has to report into the director of football for this to be successful. The problem is that when we hired Daryl Clark, Daryl Clark didn't want to work with the director of football. He pretty much, like, he said, I'm happy he's here and so forth. He wasn't like, I'm delighted that I'm now a head coach instead of a, instead of a, instead of a manager. Like, Flickcroft is going to take some of his duties off him. So I think they've clashed over the last couple of years over what the best direction of the club is. And I think that's probably caused issues with their relationship because it would be naturally, especially when you're, when you're on a losing streak like this, there's going to be issues, isn't there? There's going to be, if when we go out and get a new manager, we have to go and get somebody who's good and happy in the new in a new setup in a modern setup of a football club and doesn't see it as a manager manager reported into the chairman thing i'm more than happy to have a director of football do i think flickcroft's the right guy not sure at all but he, he like you can't just keep sacking your director of football every single time you every single time you're not winning any results on the pitch because somebody else that's what you've got the manager there for uh, if we're heading in the right direction that's fine but we're probably not at the moment so that's where you've got to bring it in. However, I probably would say that Flickcroft deserves a chance to bring his own guy in. And can I just clarify? I am. It sounds like I'm putting 100% of the blame at Flickcroft's door. I'm not. I think Clark has got to take some blame because he's not getting the best out of his players. And I think if you look at, as you pointed out, Johnny, when I spoke about late in audience, if you look at the Daryl Clark from that game and the Daryl Clark that we've seen for the last two months, it's not the same person. He hasn't had the same passion. He hasn't had the same desire. It looks like he's lost the dressing room. And if he has, that's fully on Clark, not Flickcroft. But I don't think it's right to put all the blame at Clark either. I think Clark's got to take some blame because he's managing the players. I think Flickcroft has got to take some blame because the recruitment's been poor and he's also in charge of Clark and what goes on there. So Flickcroft's got to take some blame. And whoever made the decision in January that we were safe and we didn't need to bring better players in. Now, that could have been Colin, it could have been Carroll, it could have been Flickcroft. We don't know. Whoever is to blame, 
has also got to take some blame. So I don't think there's one person that you can blame here. So playing devil's advocate then, yeah, I'm going to throw out a, a rumour that everybody has spoken about at some stage or another has been bullshit or has been concrete. January is the catalyst of change. Yeah. We, we, we changed the budget. Whoever, whoever that was, we changed the budget. Did we change the budget because Daryl Clark's head wasn't at Port Vale? Did he apply for the Portsmouth job? And we looked at that and went, well, he don't want to be here anymore. Maybe he said, similarly to Conor Hall, he didn't want to be here because it was where it was at. Or is that just an unfortunate coincidence and he never applied and it's bollocks? Tom, where are you sat? Uh, I don't think if we could foresee that something was wrong in January, I don't think it lasts another three months after that. Um, I I think whatever's gone on has happened over the last two months or so. Has what's gone on the last two months or so been a direct hit because of what happened in January? We don't know. Um, has he thrown his toys out of the pram because he didn't get the money? Potentially. Has, has he just knuckled down, tried to get on with it, and things just haven't quite gone how we wanted him to? Uh, I don't think we have withdrawn a budget because we didn't trust Daryl Clark with it. Um, I don't think that would be the case at all. Well, I think you have the director of football structure, the director of football, the head of recruitment, is so you don't have one person, one single manager, buying and selling all the players. So you've got that structure. You've got safety in numbers. You've got maybe a team um, recruiting so that it's not all on, say, a manager buying his old mates that he's worked with before. They're actually objectively assessing whether a player is good enough to play League One. And, you know, you sign someone, don't you? You don't just sign no one. We 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 needed players who were League One ready, and we've ended up with players who were playing at the very very level, the ceiling of the ability, and who were League Two players. You know, um, I've, I've wrote a note here. It's like um, there's an old cliche in football: it's a marathon, not a sprint, a season, and it's all well and good. Um, if you're a decent middle distance runner and you drop off a cliff after 13 miles, you know, you've got to last the course if you're a player. And we've had players who had a good half season and they've not lasted the rest of it. And maybe that's because they were League Two standard and they were dropping off. So going back to my original point, what I was trying to say is you've you've got you've got a structure in there, director of football, recruitment, any other staff that feed into that, identifying scouting players and it's not just the manager. It's that that structure guards against being lumbered with players that a manager signs, and then when he leaves, you you lumbered with players who can't play the new manager system. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think that's what a director of football should do. You, it successful clubs, they will implement the system that the kids play. So 
when the kids are coming up, they know what the first team play, so they can they can drop in. You wouldn't you wouldn't catch a a club at, at the higher echelons who have got academies and stuff like that seeing their academies playing a different formation than the first team. It just doesn't make any sense. How are you supposed to develop a player to come through? But what I think we've we've now got to do is we've we've got to make sure that we're supporting whoever comes in in that sense because it's easy to say Daryl Clark could only play 3-5-2. But if you only give him the tools for that job, then how are we supposed to work it properly? Steve, from your from your point, do you think there's any... Do you, th- do you think he's been given enough chance to, to steer the ship or would you have liked to see him get longer? I think I would have liked to see him... Assuming nothing disastrous has gone, gone on behind the scenes, it's untenable for him to work there. I would have liked to see him give it to the end of the season and give him that opportunity. All I would say is, it's something we've talked about before, do any of you guys know what the philosophy of the club is? What type of football we try to play? Who, what you know? I think Andy mentioned it earlier. What are we? Are we a pressing team? Do are we a counter attacking team? We've got no pace. If you lose, the been on the run, we've gone. Somebody's got to be held accountable, and somebody's got to go. So who can that be? There's only one man who can go. You can't sack the director of football and leave the manager there. You can't sack the assistant. You know. We could, you can't pay the players off. Ultimately, the responsibility lies with the manager. And Daryl Dar- Dar- said about philosophy, hasn't he? He says he hates the word. Yeah, and and because each game a project. Yeah, anyone that, Dar- sorry, sorry, anyone yes. that doesn't watch the games and only listens to the podcast after the games would say the style of football we play is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. What no, formations I, I think Stu's um. <laughs> Stu, you've you've articulated it in in the group chat far better than any of us. So, yeah, go on and yeah. Well, as I've said, as I've said, uh, Daryl came in and basically said that he doesn't have a philosophy. Philosophies, he doesn't believe in philosophies, and it's all about winning the next game. But which is great because that's it worked last year, didn't it? As soon as you won two in eighteen. And you don't see another wing coming along. It's very difficult to continue believing in that philosophy. We haven't got anything to to back up, like Steve said earlier. Like, what is the philosophy of the club? I've got no idea. I've got absolutely no idea at the moment what the philosophy. Are we a, are we a buy? Are we buy buy them cheap and sell them? Uh, sell them for big prices like a Peterborough. Are we are we somebody that's going to develop our own players like Crew and try and push them through that way? Are we what? I don't get it. Like. Who's setting the three five? Who's setting the three at the back philosophy at the club? Is that a Flipcroft thing? Is that a Clark thing? Clark's normally played four at the back before he came here. So, like, as Flipcroft demanded that it, because he's more of a three at the back man, from my memory at Berry, as he said, we're playing three at the back, and I want, and there's, there's some issue there. We built a squad to play three at the back. There's a very different philosophy between playing three at the back and four at the back. So we have to we have to set up like that. I just. Like, it's never been stated. Like, I like hearing, because of, of what I do for a job, I like hearing what the strategy is. And then you can buy into it, can't you? Like, you know, the assistant down at the bottom can buy into that. The analyst, in the, right, that's the... Everybody's pulling in the same direction. But if you haven't set that, then... And we're talking... We've heard about 
Patrick doing the five years plan or strap plan or whatever it is. But like, what is it? What is the plan? Nobody knows, and they've got to deliver that to the to the customers as well. They're paying paying fans. Yeah, you talk about setting direction. This is like a director of football versus manager thing. You know, manager will do the, with the BAU business as usual, and and the yeah. director of football has to set down. So we have to sit down and decide: is it the direction that's wrong, or is it the the implementation by the manager, the head coach, you know, of that model? Where, where is it? Yeah, well, and I would say, but what is what is the direction? How can we judge whether we're heading in a direction where we don't even know what where we're supposed to be going, where 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 we're supposed to end up? Well, you said, Stu, is the philosophy buy them cheap and sell them on. From what I'm seeing, the philosophy is get them in cheap, make them worse, and then they go for nothing. That seems well, to be where we're heading. Our way. Yeah, and <laughs> that our, seems our to be where we're going. Left. Yeah, it does. And Johnny, you're getting asked all the questions and not say a lot. So here's one for you. Is it fair to say that the first half of the season, we did have a philosophy and we had a style of football, which we took into most games? And when did that change? I don't, I don't think we've ever had a, a philosophy in that sense, though. I think when, when you're winning games, it's easy to say that you've, you've got one. But we were winning games when we didn't have strikers on the pitch. So, you, so I can't. And you, I can't say that we've got a philosophy. Alice Harrison went through that purple patch when he first signed, where everything he turned to turn to a goal. My my issue is that we saw it the other day in the Oxford game. Donnelly turned into Dan Jones for 15, 20 minutes, where he picked the ball up and he was raking them crossfield balls towards was, and that really feels like that's our strategy because. You watch Aidan Stone when he gets the ball, clipping him towards Worrell's head. Donnelly, Dan Jones, all season, crossfield passed. Worrell's got the fifth most assists in the league this season with six assists. And that's that's mental because we're all sat here saying that he hasn't had a great season in terms of producing, but he's got six assists in the league, which is great. My My main issue is... We lacked pace, and we lacked pace last season, and that hasn't been addressed. And do you know what? Like, not 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 trying to throw anyone under the buzz here, but we we did the Smith interview, and we asked Smith about who's the quickest yeah. player at the club, and Nathan Smith couldn't answer that question. So, Steve, you remember that when we Very did? That. He just yeah. He absolutely was clutching at any story you could find for someone with half a yard of pace. And everybody who sat on this podcast said the same last year. We got over the line last year, didn't we? But without pace by probably James Wilson coming to, to the fore at the end. But yeah, that's Mithian in you. We have had no pace for years and they never addressed it. Yeah, we lack pace and we don't have... We You know, we can't squeeze a team out and get it in behind them. You can't remember the last time we had a one-on-one through on goal. So we're not that sort of team that actually, uh, I don't know, I might be wrong, but it doesn't feel like we're a team that actually um, can play a ball in behind and there's somebody who can run onto it because, you know, even if we did have a pacey player, there isn't that sort of pass on. Yeah, the last player, the last player I could think of who ran in behind was Ben Williamson, but he couldn't finish his dinner when he got through on it. That was <laughs> yeah. the problem. Yeah, well, I was going to say, for, for me, the, the, from this season, the, the thing that springs to mind is the politic run for the Proctor goal away at Shrewsbury. 
and what we're talking two months ago now. Like, we shouldn't be talking two months ago for, for that sort of thing to happen. And then before that, it was probably Politic in the FA Cup against Exeter, where he went through one-on-one and should have scored, but I, I, he didn't score that one. So I think a lot needs to be reassessed in the summer. To go back to your original question, Bez, um, we... We we need something coming out. Stu, you you hit the nail on the head. We need something to come out to say, look, Port Vale Football Club are going to be a X team, and that doesn't mean that next season, if it is, we're going to be coming a buy cheap, sell high. That doesn't mean that next season, the first player that we bring in, we're going to sell on a profit straight away, and it's going to work because we know that doesn't happen. But we know that's the philosophy, so we're going to see a couple of non-league gems and one might turn out to have knees like Tom, but the next might actually be the, the next million pound player that we, that we move on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult at the minute. And I think without some clear direction and honest communication, fans are going to struggle to get behind this, this change that's been made. Um, so my next question and just, just quickly johnny just on that you know you said like fans had struggled to get behind do you not think that well all right maybe it's a little bit it, does he does flickcroft not deserve an opportunity to bring somebody else in again you know he's he's he's, he's bought one manager in whilst he's been director of football and he's bought in arguably one of the best managers we've had in recent times so does he then, do, you know, if he, if he brings in a load load of duff now, then fair enough, he's thingy. But can we trust him to to bring in the next manager, whoever whoever it may be? I mean, I've looked down the list today of managers who are on the odds, and there's some brilliant managers on there. Yeah, I mean, you put it in context as well. He was only here about four days before he started, before Clark come in, so he didn't really have his handle around the club at that stage. Now he's what two years in. And you've got to say that, you know, he knows, he must know what he's after now. And absolutely nobody went, absolutely nobody, no Vale fan sat here two years ago and said, we need to go and get Daryl Clark from Walsall. It came out, it was released saying Daryl Clark's a new manager of Port Vale and everyone went, what? Shit. When did that, what, what's that, what? Because everyone assumed it was going to be somebody out of... Out of um, who was out of a job, uh, and what we've done is we've gone with you know, we've got the man we wanted. Can, can he, you know, I, I, I want to see how he plays this one out, and you know, mm. if 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 Crosby stays till the end of the season, keeps us up, we then have a new manager in place in the in the in June. And then, you know, Christmas time, we're sitting 12. Have, has Flickcroft then done a decent job? Because he's got one manager out who is struggling a little bit and got somebody else in who maybe is progressively better off higher up the divisions. You know, Clark, has Clark managed, what, four, three or four seasons, is it, in League One? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, do we then go and get someone who's maybe done three or four seasons in the championship, but you know they've they've managed in League One for a long time. They know a lot more players around this level. 
He could go down the road of um, getting a completely inexperienced manager from an academy somewhere, someone who's not going to question what Flitcroft does. You know, Flitcroft has pretty much all the power and just implements the direction that Flitcroft wants, you know, so like a I don't know, I'm thinking like Robert at Newport, that sort of profile of a young manager who, yeah. who never who's never managed before, but he's it, yeah, but Carrick. Yeah, it's someone who, who I mean, won't necessarily it. clash too much or or argue too much. I wonder if Crosby I wonder what the chances are of Crosby getting the job. Would the one thing that would annoy me with this is if Crosby did get the job, would people say it's the cheap option? With everything that's been coming out of the club and people thinking we're skint for the last Christ knows how long. If we won all four games now to the end of the season, would people still see it as the cheap shit option if we went with Crosby? Because I, we I get the impression that he wants to be a manager. I do. If we win all four games between now and the end of the season, I will refrain from ever using the word dog shit again. I think Crosby will be a hard sell to the fan base. Not, I'm not saying us, us five on here, but I think some of our fans would, no matter how good Crosby was, whether he's Pep Guardiola reincarnated and he completely revitalises, I think that would be a hard sell. Not necessarily to me, but to a lot of people, I think that would be a hard sell, Crosby. It'd be a hard sell to me. Yeah, I, don't, I, th- I think I think no no matter no matter what anybody says, he's a, he's been the assistant manager during this bad run, so he he's he's got to shoulder some of that issue. And yes, Daryl Clark doesn't have to listen to him, but from looking from the, from the outside in, he's the one that's in that technical area. He's the one shouting, coaching, managing. We've heard lots of rumours saying that the coaching staff take the drills and whatnot, and there's a load of stuff going round. So it it have to be it have to be three four nil victories in in all four games for for me to 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 be convinced. Um, I want a manager in, and Andy Crosby, as good of an assistant as he is, isn't as hasn't ever been a manager. And do I want him cutting his teeth with us? Not really. I know that Stu, you mentioned Michael Carrick, and he's doing a great job at Middlesbrough. So it, it works, doesn't it? But on the flip side, have we got have we got the budget and playing squad that Middlesbrough have got in this situation to be able to afford that? Well, maybe not, and that's you know that's a good point. I mean, from my perspective, that is you're looking. Like an experienced manager, say like Cowley's at the top of the list at the moment. So Cowley and his brother come in. Are they going to want to work with Flitcroft? They don't, I don't think so. They're going to want power when they come into a club like this. And there's a few other like more experienced managers that are going to want more power. Probably a similar situation to Clarkie's got. And I just don't think that fits the profile of what we're necessarily after here. I think like we all know Flick. We all hear the rumours that Flitcroft enjoys the total power 100% power over that football side of the club and doesn't really like much involvement from outside so if you've got that situation that that's the case like you have to go and get somebody that's going to agree with that and not going to try and circumvent you every single time you make a decision they don't like so you probably are looking at somebody a bit younger aren't you at that point you probably are looking at somebody that's you know either been an academy manager or is used to working with the director of football 
but you've got to find somebody that fits the philosophy that David Flakecroft's got in his head that hasn't hasn't told anybody else about so far. Yeah, I think I think that, I think that's it, isn't it? We, we 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 do kind of go back to the philosophy bit again, don't we? And I think I think that's the main thing. And Andy, from from you, um, have you got anyone in mind at all for the for the next for the next appointments? Obviously, it looks like it's going to be Crosby till the end of the season, so a lot of things may change. But from what you've seen so far, is there anyone you'd take? Um. There's there's a few of the old duffers who keep knocking around on the odds, you know, on the betting odds like um, Carl Robinson and uh, the Cowleys, and not for me, absolutely not for me. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea who we might get. You know, I'm thinking Ainsworth might come if he gets sacked between now and the end of the season at QPR, which you never know with QPR. Other than that, um, I don't know. I, I get the feeling we might just. Hope Crosby has a decent end of season because it's easier than having to make a decision. I think. I think that might be one or two people at the club's thinking. Really, it's a path of least resistance to just sort of if it does a half decent job, just leaving to it. Is is that the right right way for long term success for you, Steve? If he does a half decent job, leave him to it. No. Um, the reason I say when Crosby was manager last year, when when Daryl was off, we stuttered quite badly, and I think that we can't appoint a fifty-five-year-old bloke or a forty-five-year-old bloke, you know, who, who's been about the the model we've got is what Stu says is the director of football. If you can if you can employ Nigel Atkins or somebody like that, or the Cowley brothers, you might as well not have a director of football. Because the, t- the never the twain shall meet, you know you've got to have a director. If you have a director of football, it's got to be a young up and coming coach. I think who will work in that who will work in that way. And so I don't, but I think probably Crosby. I just don't. I just think it's too hard to sell because if let's say we appoint Crosby, we have a bad start to next season, four or five games in, the pressure on him will be intolerable. And you're back in the same you're back in the same situation again. A new man at least gets a bit of time to um, you know a bit a bit of grace before people start shouting for his head. And you go back to what Stu said or what Tom said. Flickcroft has this chance, but he cannot fuck it up. You know, in, in essence, he got Clark in. Clark got us promoted. Clark's gone now. I think Tom's point is bang on. If Flickcroft gets somebody who takes us to the next level, Clark has done what we employed him to do, gets promoted. The next person takes it on, and then your model's working. But it's it's a big appointment, and we all hear rumours about the budget. If the budget is slashed and is shit for next year, who are we going to get? Well, you got to sell season tickets as well, haven't you? Yeah. How many season tickets are you selling with Andy Crosby? If you're on the fence at this point and, you, and you're hiring the assistant manager, the guy that you just sat because he's only won two games in 18... Like, what kind of message does that send from that perspective? Like, are they better going with a big splash? Like, I don't know. I think you just want somebody that's hungry, that's that's uh, come out of just being a professional footballer, done all these badges, and wants to wants to be a manager. And you've I've given got that two questions. Two questions for anybody that wants to answer them. Question one: Tom Conlon's red card's been rescinded tonight from Saturday. At that point, we've gone 2-1 up. We were 11 against 10. 
if Tom Conlon doesn't get sent off, are we having this discussion tonight? Or do we think, considering they've said in the press release that talks have been ongoing for two, a few weeks, did they say? Do we mm. think it was going to happen anyway, even if we won? So that's question one, and then I'll come back to question two when someone answers me that. I'll take question one on. Um, no, I think it goes at the end of the season, though. Fair, fair. Question two, then. With Clark, we went to a club where he was employed and paid to get Daryl Clark. Do we see Vale going and paying for another manager? Yes. Because I think yeah, it's I imperative could, to see, get it right. I think they'll do it, yeah. Potentially. I think there might be somebody out there that's already... That, that, that they like, but I think they might go and I think they might go and get whoever whoever they want. If we're going to, can I throw a suggestion in then? Go on. Yeah. Short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <Not> very fast. <laughs> he, he's used to that, Tom. Um, <laughs> Pete Wild Barrow. Well, I was just I was looking at Pete Wilde from Barrow as well, and I was just about to also to say uh, Luke Williams from Notts County because uh, I think he's done an incredible job at Notts County this season. Um, but reckon, then, are people going to be happy with us going to get someone from the conference? Well, if 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 Williams can can smuggle Rodriguez with him, I'll, I'd buy it the off because I think he's the best midfielder outside outside of the football yeah. league. And Macaulay uh, Langstaff, would you take a gamble on him? Yeah, not for a million pounds. He signed uh, five years. Oh, it doesn't seem like a tremendous gamble, does it? I think well, he's only scored unless he's Ricky Miller. Four hundred and eight goals is it this season? I think he's scored. <laughs> he's got sixty-eight goals in two seasons. That's a gamble, isn't it? Yeah. All I'm saying is Ricky Miller. Ricky Miller. He broke Ricky Miller's record. That's all I'm saying. And what record did he break? <laughs> Most like no, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> the edit button, Johnny. I was, uh, I, w- I was trying to think of what I've had a It's Daniel Beresford's podcast. Has <laughs> <laughs> now been off. sued by Ricky Miller. <laughs> I was talking about his offsides. I don't know what you guys were talking about. Yeah. I think about Luke Rogers. <laughs> well, yeah, you no, didn't even um, let me finish. <laughs> I would, I would like us to go and pay for someone. Yeah, on that note though, Tom, do you think if Notts County get promoted, he leaves? What it depends on what happens with us. Yeah, I still think if he goes. Stay- if I still think he goes, I think he comes to us. If uh, has he got any direct affiliation with Notts County other than just being their manager now? I don't think so. No, so I mean, from a from a job point of view, um, I don't know. It, does it depend what the situation is with Notts County? And Notts County going to, if he gets promoted, are they going to chuck money at him and say, right, go and win us League Two now? You know, you and Wrexham go do the same thing this year. Because um, we sure as shit know Wrexham have probably chucked some money at it. Um, I know he's, I know he's like, he's pretty settled in there now. But I, I like Hurst from Grimsby. Paul Hurst, is it? Yeah, Paul Hurst. I've always yeah. liked him. Um, he yeah. was heavily linked last time, wasn't he, I think? Yeah. See, I'll be honest, we're talking about this. I would love us to go and pay for a manager and get the right one. I don't think we will. I think no, the talk well, from the club is that we've... But the talk yeah. from the club is we've put as much money in in four years as we want to do in five. The club needs to be self-supporting. 
is Carroll going to throw more money at it to bring another manager in there in two years' time? She might sack again. You've got, you've got to, you've got to. Because if you, if you don't, if you don't pay money for him, then you, you're going to end up hiring Crosby and then find yourself in this situation in twelve months' time. I agree. Someone. I don't. I don't think they put a million pound in this year, in this season. I don't think they've done that. Yeah, and I agree. I think you've got to to get the right one. I just don't know if we will. I think, I think we if, should, but I don't know if we will. I think if we don't, it, it seriously causes issues. Maybe that's why they're waiting till the summer to see if anyone's contract is a year less, and people are sat there thinking, "There we go. We've got a bit more." time play with but we we've got to make the next appointment's got to be a statement and even with a x pro it can still be a statement yeah exactly um sorry quickly johnny because it ties in do they already know who they want they should do should have a list yeah, do you, they know a type of manager they want, or do you reckon they've got names? They should have a name. They, they, they should have names. They, they, should, they should have a list of names for if Daryl Clark left, not regardless of which way round it was. If Daryl Clark left, they should have a list of names. That list of names probably is six or seven deep, real, realistically, depending on what we're doing and where we're at. But so, so the the, the top seven on the betting are Danny Cowley. Andy Crosby, nope. Nigel Adkins, Carl Robinson, Gareth Ainsworth, Liam Richardson, Stuart, Morrison. And just to get rid of this one, for those people clamouring for the Cowleys, do we think the Cowleys would have a bigger or smaller budget at Bale than they had at Portsmouth? Smaller. They're smaller. And so why, and so why do they think they don't do it with a smaller yeah, budget? Yeah, but they've they've done, they've done it with a smaller budget before at Lincoln, haven't they? I know there was some money put in there, but they weren't. There's a like, lot of money put in there. I think there was still a no. sizable budget for League One. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying I'm not saying they hadn't had a decent budget for League One, but they still, when they were going through the levels, I don't think like they spunked a load of money in the in the National League getting out of there and going up. I think they did. I don't think they did. Just don't think. I think they had. I think they had a reasonable budget. I don't think they had like Wrexham money. No, 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 a lot of that money as well, didn't they, Stu? By yeah, going you got into the quarter final of the FA Cup. Yeah, so why shouldn't why shouldn't be allowed to spend some of that money? Yeah, yeah. It, was success bred success bred a budget? That's what they yeah. did there, and that's what we need to. But for the for me, I believe the Cowboys are very nice people. I believe they are. I don't particularly want to manage in my club. I don't want to watch that style of football week in week out. But so. Say in 12 months' time, the Cowboys are here and we're third in League One. Are you going to tell me that you're not enjoying that? No, I'm going to do exactly what you did with James Wilson after 12 months and eat humble pie. But, and that, and that, that's, that, that's the thing. I think because you've seen the Cowboys four times in your life, and that you've was, not enjoyed it. many. you got Reed in your head, haven't you? No, yeah. I've got Portsmouth in my head. I'll Portsmouth be honest. I thought Portsmouth at home. I thought they were, I thought they were the... Probably one of the more solid sides I've seen down the Vale uh, defensively this season. I don't, I don't know. They, they were solid. They weren't entertaining for me. I'd rather be solid and win one nil than entertaining and lose four. Yeah, I just couldn't for me. And the, they were the masters of shit housing. Not for me. Senior manager and the fourth officials here for ninety minutes. Senior captain man mark the referee. Just get a big lad up front, lump it long for ninety minutes. 
I could put up with that if I'm winning. I think when you start losing games, as Portsmouth found out, it soon gets boring watch. That's just my opinion. If they come to the veil, I will fully support them and get behind them. Portsmouth lost two games and they, they sacked him before a League Cup game, the biggest League Cup game of the of the, la, of, of the past 10 years. So it's, it was a quite a knee-jerk reaction. Hadn't they only won something like two in 18? There might have been a lot of draws, I don't know. That's a, that's a oh, that record awesome. for anybody, by the way. Yeah. That's the number. Each one two in eighteen, or you're out, mate. I just yeah. can't see the Cowleys fitting in with whatever whatever Dave Flickcroft wants from that director of football. Yeah, manager. I think that's the bigger problem. I just I don't mean, see that the, the right the right fit. I think they just clash as individuals as well. I think you've I think, also got to bear in mind as Dan Cowley comes in, then his brother is coming in as well. Where does that leave all our Three million coaching staff that we've got. But regardless of what comes in, a new manager takes the take, takes the coaching staff and changes it anyway. For me, yeah, I think you're a brave person if you trust the coaching staff to stay on. Like we saw, we saw what happened with Dean Glover, and that that'll that'll always remain with me. He we kept in on under Turner. He finally got the job, and that didn't work, did it? So. I, I, I do just think that there's going to have to be some form of change, and the hard bit of the change is: do does David Dunn move on? You, we know people are throwing links there. He knew flickers from Blackburn and stuff like that, and where where does Carlo Nash fit into it, and and whatnot? So is is this um, is, is this a us sort of attitude at the minute between the director of football and coaching staff and the manager what um, Stu was probably best just to answer me this one quickly just before. what's the difference between a sporting director and a director of football no there isn't one there isn't one so so Portsmouth actually have a director well have a sporting director who is it uh, Richard Hughes the lad from oh Stern. he's the guy from Forest Green he's he's he was he was appointed on the 29th of September 2022, and he's I mean he's 34, so he'd have been younger than the yeah. Cowleys. He's from Stoke. Um, he is. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah. He was he 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 went he went Newcastle College and did all his um, analyst stuff, and then was doing Stoke analyst jobs, and then got a decent role, and then ended up at Forest Green, and then Portsmouth at about the, about the same time as we were. We were looking. He was he was doing well at Forest Green. Oh, yeah. So, um, oh yeah, I've just found the central article. So, so the Cowleys will have briefly worked under uh, a sporting director. There, I am just trying to have a little look now, just to see if it he was brought in there to replace anyone, or if it was like we did with Flickcroft and we made a made the specific role just for when taking him. Um, Have you dusted your football manager CV off, Johnny? Could do if you want. I've just I've just won the quadruple for the third season in a row with Roaster. <laughs> dust that off. We'll put it up next to Paddy. See whoever's got the best CV can have the job. I'll take it on. I play entertaining football. I got 115 yellow cards in the season last year. <laughs> That's all I want. See, entertaining football. You can lose every game and we'll come back with the league as long as it's entertaining. 
Well, it looks like Lincoln have also got a director of football as well, just just to kind of piss on your chips yeah. as well. Yeah, I don't know why everybody's moaning about that. Like, I've seen a few and they listen to Praise and Grumble tonight about how many coaching staff and having a director of football. It's 2023, lads. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you've, got to have, you've got to have some strategy behind your football team. You can't just have a, have a kit man, a kit man, an assistant, and manager doing everything around the club. You've got to have more people. I, I think, think, I think the fact that, I think the fact that we were, when we bought all these staff in, though, we were promised the changes they were going to make and it doesn't seem to be, you know, we, we've bought in recruitment analysis, we've signed shite, we've bought yeah. in 300 uh, physios and medical staff and we've had, we've struggled for a squad most weeks for the, the whole season. I didn't say we've recruited well. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's what the main gripe is with people. If we bought these play, if we bought these uh, the backroom staff in and we've had a visible improvement then fair enough yeah. uh, I get it I get what people are saying but like you know I think if I'd we like do a comparison a across the other teams we mm. if we went back to the ASCII model then we'd be behind everybody else oh yeah I think of the problem for Vale fans as well rightly or wrongly and I'm not going to give my opinion at this point but rightly or wrongly the problem Vale fans have got is who the director of football is well, Vale yeah, fans have got a big yeah. issue with Dave Flickcroft. And I'd be very interested to know, and I don't know the answer, whether Lincoln's, whether Portsmouth's director of football is full-time or two days a week. I'd be very interested to know that. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this argument about two days a week as well is, who says he is? No, I don't know, but, well... No, we don't know. A lot of people that have worked at the club that no longer work at the club have said that. Well... I think part of the problem it's is... It's a hybrid working model. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I assume it's a job you can do from home. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a lot of phone calls, isn't it? I yeah, assume. I assume so. <laughs> but like I say, a lot of people from inside the club that maybe aren't there anymore, and maybe they've gone to Instagram, maybe they haven't. They say it's two days a week. Yeah, I, I think. But that's, that again, that's two days a week in the club. Then you've got a match day. Um, you know, does he does he then do two days working from home? Does he? And me asking that question wasn't me saying it's a problem. It's me saying, is that right for a League One director of football? Are Lincoln's two days a week as Portsmouth? And if they are, then you go, yeah, we've got that right. You know, in our world though, that two days a week or whatever rapidly turns into three, four, five <laughs> days a week. You're just getting paid. You get might be getting paid for two days a week, but in sport, you don't. Just because you're part-time doesn't necessarily mean you work part-time. Okay, I've got one for you all then. We talk about Flitcroft, his sack, his sack clock. Going, whoever wants to go first, has Dave Flitcroft done a good job as director of football for Port Vale with all the changes he's made, including staff changes, revive, sorting out the academy, allegedly, you know, getting more coaches in, bringing us up, dragging us up from the dark ages. Has he done a good job for us, or is he a waste of money? Flickcroft himself, not the role. I think it's. I think it's difficult to uh, compare it because we've never had one. So, from a Vale fan's perspective, we're comparing it to something we've never had. Um, I, I think he's done well in certain areas, and then I think he's spent 
too much money in other areas and made mistakes. The 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 weird thing for me the whole the whole time over is the fact that we appointed a manager as a director of football. We didn't take like this lad who Portsmouth have appointed. He's been a director of football at three or four different clubs. He's done like Johnny said. He's done all his all his shit through college that points towards that. And then we went and we went. All right, you don't want to come as manager because you don't want to work every day. So we'll give you this other role. And um, so I think certain things, yes, done well. Certain things, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, uh, people relations would probably be top of that list because there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of people who uh, who like the bloke. Um, but like I said, I said in the in the group chat the other day, I aren't bothered if people like him or not if he's doing right, but. Like you said, yeah. there is there's certain things that stink at the minute, and I think there's there was there was a, a wage knocking around, a figure knocking around that people said he was on. If he's on that wage and he's only doing two days a week, is he absolutely renting the club? That's got to be pro rata, hasn't it? It's got to be. It's got to be pro. Yeah, you'd hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm putting my name in for that job if it. Well, yeah, Christ, he's not a good agent if it's not. Yeah. You don't need any qualifications for it, I don't think. So. Well, I think, it's like, genius you're talking, yeah, you're talking about these director football jobs and what you talked about now, but you say, like, have a look at the guy that's been at Liverpool for for years and left in the left in the summer and the, the guy that took over and he's leaving now and the guy that's always been. Some of them haven't kicked a ball before. Yeah. Some of them haven't kicked a ball before and... I haven't got like a footballing career to come back on, and then a managing real career to come back on. They're coming in fresh from the scouting and that analysis world, and they've got ideas on that side. And we've gone a bit more old school, maybe with our with our pick. And like, is that what everybody wanted from a director of football? Because when I was thinking about whether we got director of football or more, I was thinking more like the the boffin, basically. Who sat in the corner with his with his Excel spreadsheet out till ten thirty at night, trying to work out whether this guy's three percent better than the other player? And so, like, we haven't quite got our, what I was expecting from Flickcroft. However, like, if you put it out there, we're in a better position than we were a year ago. We arguably got promoted a year earlier than we expected to do. Whether you put that down on Clark or whether you put that on Flickcroft, Flickcroft should earn the plaudits when he when he when we do well in the same way that you should take some hits when we're not doing so well. And he's done well there. And the thing that I've noticed more than anything else is I'm seeing a few more youth players around the around the first edges of the first team this year, more than I probably have done in 25 years. So I think you could probably argue that he's tried to get get that in shape and he's done well there. I think you have to... um... When you ask the question, is Flickcroft doing a good job? It's a bit like asking, has Clark done a good job? And say long term, yes, he has with Port Vale, but is it, you know, then is it is it the right thing for Clark to leave? And you could argue that somebody's done a good job in the long term, but is it in the same way he's gone a bit flat with Clark? You know, has, has it been a while since Dave Flickcroft's done? anything good you know in terms of the last two transfer windows i don't think he's had a good season particularly i think he was good yeah he had a good um summer a couple of years ago but arguably this season he hasn't had a 
decent year of it. Is that fair? You basically, my answer is going to be he's done okay at best. But Andy, you've just summed it up a lot better than I could have done. And that is exactly how I feel. You, As a director of football as well, you're going to be judged by results on the pitch as well as things around it. And he's done okay, no better. Let me ask you this. If we end up being relegated and the unthinkable happens and we go down, should Flickroft then get sacked at the end of the season? No, you can't. You can't start sacking your director of football because because we got relegated, or else that's going to get ridiculous. I think you, you've got you, you've got to you've got to give the you've got to give it a, a this is a good amount of time to get bedded in and to show that there's a philosophy. And I think that's the big thing we, we'll come back we've come back to is that if. We hire the next man, and it's Andy Crosby, and it doesn't work. Then yes, Flickcroft's got to take take a huge whack of it. If we hire the next man and it's brilliant, Flickcroft's got to take a huge whack of that and say well done. My issue with it is that you look now at Liverpool, for example, like you just said, lost lost Michael Edwards gone to shit this season with transfers being spent like they've not spent in ages, done things that they haven't done in ages. And is Klopp and the new director of football getting it in the neck? No, the owners are. And it's it's because they've they, they've had that situation. They've seen what a successful director of football can do. And that that's what that that's the difference between a bloke coming in who hasn't actually done a bad job in terms of the football inside, but has pissed enough people off locally who've spoke to enough people locally, who've then spoke to enough people locally to actually make it seem like he's an horrible human being. Now, we I've not had that personal experience of him, so can't judge his character. I'm judging off what the job he's done around our football club and we've got promoted. That's that's a huge tick in the box. We've signed some good players. That's a huge tick in the box. Alice Harrison, is that a clock signing? People are going to say yes because it's successful. What actually happens if it comes comes about that Flickcroft went to Clarky and said, "I've heard Alice Harrison's free. How do you fancy it?" Like, what happens if that that was the case? And I think people are quick to point the finger, saying clock signing when it's successful. Flickcroft signing when it's wank and I just I feel a bit like feel a bit like in the minority when it comes to him because people just want to to throw shit at him because of maybe allegedly his personality which I get because it does sound like it it goes against everything that we we kind of spoke about previously but if another one goes and then a new director of football comes in, Bez, as, as you just say, we get relegated, a new one comes in, and he sacks some local people and things change. Is, is the same thing not going to happen again? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I do. You're right, Johnny. I think you are in the minority. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think Saturday could be toxic if we go behind, especially if we get thumped tomorrow, as we pretty much expect. I'm not a massive. Flickcroft fan, I don't, I'll put it out there. I don't think he's been exceptional for the club by any stretch of the imagination, and I think he shoulders as much of the blame as Clark for what's going on at the moment. 
And I think Clark's taken the bullet for him. That's my view on it. For me with Flitcroft, um, we have to decide, A, do we get value for the money we're paying for him? And B, do we still believe in the strategy that he's putting in place, the direction? And that's going to be one for the owners to really objectively decide. And it's going to be hard because probably the only person who's um, explaining football things to them, you know, the person who's in their corner explaining how football works is probably the director of football. So who, who's there to tell Carol and Kevin that Dave Flitcroft's doing a, a bad job if, if Dave Flitcroft's the main sort of football advisor in there to them? Well, you're hoping Rudgy may be having a quick word with him, aren't you? That's the only... Like, he's the guy who doesn't really have a vested interest in anybody, one person or another being in the club, does he? And he's there as an advisor. Maybe he's obviously a bit... bit. You know, he's, a, he's been out of football for a while in terms of working in a day-to-day environment. But you just, like... If it, but if people like Yatesy are turning away and turning away from the club and stuff like that, not saying not saying they are or anything, but he was quite critical, wasn't he? Uh, when I've heard, if he, he said he thought it was a bad decision tonight, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's been quite on the radio of it. So, yeah, and I just think like Yatesy's there to do that, isn't he? To talk to the owners, how much are they listening to Yatesy now? I, I suppose. He... You've got you've got to be careful as well, though, haven't you? In that sense, like you can listen to too many people, and then it causes an issue. You've got to try and strike that balance. You'd expect Yatesy to be a trusted person, seeing as the the contact that him and Carol seemed to have during the early days. He was he was pretty much everywhere that the Hub Foundation was. They were together, so you'd expect them to have a good relationship together and a critical friend, maybe, but. I do think that, like Bez has just mentioned, that we're going to we'll lose tomorrow, and then if we went one 0 down, it'll be toxic and it'll be towards Flitcroft. And I've got no problem with that because I know a lot of people have had personal experience, but I just hope for the right reasons. If if people are, if, if people are angry at, at that, I hope it's for the right reasons and not because at this when we first did this, we got the we're hiring another body coach again. Oh, play four four two. Like I hope it's not for that reason, and that's that. That's the bit where sometimes I can't I can't get past because some of these people that are knocking Flitcroft are the ones that have been knocking him since he's came in. Yeah, it's a shit impression of Tom though. Yeah, I was trying my best. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll um, I think we'll start wrapping up there. Um, we were sent one question, and I just want. A yes or no from each of you. So Isaac, who listens, it tweeted us and said, "Does Daryl Clark change, leaving change your opinion on some of the they're gone and the summer players? Is this what a clean is? Is this clean slate for the squad, or do you think the mind's made up and that's not really a Clark decision?" Bez, mind's made up, not a Clark decision. Andy, um, categorically, no. Nothing changes. Probably, arguably, one or two more leave. Steve, thousand percent with what Bez and Andy have just said. Absolutely not. These players are responsible for anything, anyone, for Clark going. And if we want to progress, that squad needs clearing out. Tom, completely agree again. Yeah, 
Get, get rid of them. Shit houses. Get rid right. of them all. Bring them all off. So, I'm now going to tell all of you that you've just contradicted what you said about Andy Crosby, with the exception of Stu. Because you're not letting the players have a clean slate for these four games. But if Andy Crosby did well, you'd give him the job. I'm not so, giving the job. Well, you, you alluded that if we play, I just, I just said, would 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 you be happy with it? I never <laughs> said that. Give it him. That's alluding to it. So, but this, so what am I? Tell you what, if we win win these last four, every all four, give more contracts. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Well, we're not going to win these four, are we? So it's not an issue. I mean, if we win tomorrow, then your arse will start going then, won't it? No. If we had some contracts then. No, in all fairness, you look at that squad, and again, it's one for another pod. There's not many players you keep if you want to progress in League One. Does he do, do? Do we think he? Do you think he'd be more beneficial um, for whoever is going to be the manager to make them decisions, or do we think that we will release players, they go on holiday, and then in that period of time, then is when we will appoint a manager? Have to because if um, Flitcroft and our recruitment analysts and all those people—they've been watching them players all season—they. You don't need a new manager to tell them what aren't up to it. But then, what about if you play? You know, what if? It, what about if, you know? Formation-wise, we said we'd very much built the squad for three-five-two. Um, what about if uh, you know the Flickcroft's in Flickcroft's head? Ben Garrity uh, is to leave. Okay. Um, new manager coming in once. Uh, that I mean, don't get me wrong. That'd be the worst thing that's happened to me. If Clark and Ben Garrity go within three weeks of each other, I'll break down. Um, but yeah, uh, what about if the new manager yeah wants to play three centre midfielders? He wants to play four three three, but he needs two of his centre mids. He wants to be athletic, getting up around the pitch. And he, you know, are we? I I, I always find it stupid that anybody bar the manager makes decisions on uh, players' futures because it, it the dates to that what formation and what tactics are playing. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I get that, but I think I think there is there is there is the argument for ha- having having a philosophy back to that point. There's an argument for that and being able to see it through. And maybe it's a build and a style of play rather than a formation. If you can play counter-attacking football in any formation, for example, so maybe it's that is is in question rather than the other. Um, so yeah, we'll wrap. We'll, we'll start to wrap it up. So before we go, Bez, any other business? Get down to Vale Park Saturday, and we will do a pod before then and support the lads because it's a massive, massive game. Unless, of course, we're going to be tipped with tomorrow. Then it's a nothing game. <laughs> Andy, um, or any other business? Yeah, no. Um, not particularly, no. Um, I can't make it on Saturday, but um, I'll be I'll be following from from where I am. So uh, we'll just see how we get on, won't we? You from yourself? No, I think we've covered it, haven't we? Look forward to seeing what the club do over the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, Steve. Nothing at all. I think all I would say is 
I'd like to see some more clarity from the club, but I don't think we're going to get it. Tom? Yeah, uh, same same as Steve there. I would, I would like something from the club this week just to kind of explain, just dispel any rumours um, and just kind of give us an idea of what direction we're going. Um, and, yeah, everyone who's going tomorrow's safe journey down. Um, enjoy it. Try not to get yourself too het up if if we do get pumped. Um, I'm saying this, and I'll probably do exactly the same thing. Um, but yeah, you know, tomorrow's a bit of a. I'm not going to say a free hit because we need to start. We need to get a point or two point or three, two points, three points. Um, so yeah, just we've got to go at it, clear heads. Play like we have done at some of the other bigger grounds this season. Yeah, can completely back that. They, they, I think they've sold out as well. We've yeah. sold, we've sold just under four hundred. Yeah, I think they've sold amazing out. support still. It's not bad considering how, how, how far away it is. Is it? Yeah, and the form we're on, and yeah, really, my parting shot is thank you for the memories, Daryl. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was just about to yeah. say. We, from from everyone here, thank you. That I think it's the one time that we've seen a manager go where we haven't been mixed on it. Obviously, we we fought quite a lot over ASCII, for example. Um, they, they, were, they were more heated times when a manager was departing. In all fairness, Johnny, I think if Stuart is where ASCII would still be there now. <laughs> you did a good job. Everybody liked 4-3-3 with X-Mac players, 4-3-3 with X-Mac players. They were the glory days of this pod, that was, with you three arguing for hours upon end about ASCII. <laughs> one more game, one more game. David, David Fitzpatrick or uh, whoever at left back. And <laughs> yeah. all Mac have won two league titles since then. I know what a team. I mean, we should be getting some of them back now, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and John Askey's looking at keeping all people in the football league. So yes, how, and how he might knock Crypto FC down into yeah. national league, might he? Who was the left back who you kept off? I forgot who it was. Who you kept talking about week in, week out. You were busy. Was it Fitzpatrick? Yeah, yeah, it would have been David Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought he was better than we give him credit for. I just could have a quick look at where he's playing now. <laughs> <laughs> you play with Reggie in the Portuguese sixth division. You mean in the Champions League? <laughs> Uh, it's not a good start. Northern Premier League division. Uh, Radcliffe. <laughs> Radcliffe Borough. Yeah, he's kind of slipped off since he left us. He went to Altrincham, <laughs> then Chester, then Radcliffe. A career move that many of our ex-players have made, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> good side, they are. <laughs> but I think, I think it's only fitting to end with Daryl Clark's words himself. Like he said, Get up, get yourself up off the canvas. Life is short. Hang on to your loved ones. Enjoy life and be positive. So from us all here, have an ale and up the veil. So it's full time from the pod and we've just lost again. And now it's time for a treat. What are you looking for, Bez? Well, I'm looking to who's cost us today. Was it the ref? Was it the players? But whoever it was, cheer yourselves up. Get yourselves to McDonald's. Get yourself a... Big Mac tonight and enjoy it through the app. Johnny? Yeah, there we go.
we go. So order make delivery on on the app. It's at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com for more details. And don't forget, have an ale and up the veil. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.